Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing the message again today out of the book of Revelation as we continue our verse-by-verse study through this exciting book. Last week we began looking at the, the seventh bowl judgment, and we looked at the sixth of those judgments, which is the sixth of the bowl, seventh bowl judgment. That's a tongue twister, isn't it? But I'm going to give you the uh, reference today uh, so we can have a context upon which we'll be looking at the scriptures, and it is in, in Revelation chapter 16. The context is verses 12 through 16. Now, I've read these verses, and I encourage you to read these verses or have your Bible open to follow along because we're going to look at all of these verses again today uh, and look at some other things being added to it. But for today, I just want to read the one verse, and it's found in verse 16. So it's Revelation 16, 16. So the word of God reads, beginning in verse 16, And they gathered them together to the place, which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Now we're looking at what uh, we looked at last week as far as this gathering place. In fact, this one word here, Armageddon, is an interesting word. We, we use the term uh, Battle of Armageddon, and it has been commonly used for this particular time. Uh, it's really become known in Christianity today as not the Battle of Armageddon as much as a campaign. It is really a misnomer to think it's a battle. Even though the armies of the world will be gathered together, uh, but there are many different battles that will be taking place, this being the last and the biggest. But this battle actually never really begins. For this reason, many uh, prophetic teachers have stop employing the term uh, Battle of Armageddon, and they now reference it as the Campaign of Armageddon. So if you see that, you'll pretty much know what that's talking about. Yet all of the fighting will take place elsewhere, and then we'll, we'll begin looking at some of this in Revelation 17 and 18. But suffice it to say, at this point, we're talking about what leads up to this moment, which is found in the Sixth Bowl Judgment. Uh, which is in Revelation 16, verses 12 through 16. So this is looking at a, a, a probably the most interesting of all the events. It is definitely one that has been talked about more than any other of the book of Revelation. More people reference this, and it seems as though more people know something about Armageddon. And many know wrong things or suppositions that have been placed out there as fact, but they're not really accurate. Uh, in, in some of the instances. So I want to look at this today, and I, I pray that I will be as biblical as I possibly can <clears throat> in realizing that Scripture, especially prophetic Scripture and teachings, you, you're always going to generate questions that you just can't answer all of the questions. So with that in mind, we're, we're looking at this uh, that is given to us in verse 16, but before verse 16 is verse 15. You say, well, that's obvious. Yeah, it is. And I want you to look at this. It's almost a parenthetical thought uh, that one writer puts it as a parenthetical thought. Others say it's pretty much given there to encourage the, the believers at this time because people will be reading the book of Revelation during the time of the tribulation. They will be going to the book to see exactly what's going on. But this, I believe, in verse 15 contains a message of comfort and hope to the believers living at this point in the tribulation. They are encouraged to continue in the faith. 
for when they see the gathering of the armies and they know all that these being broadcast by whatever way they can get get news, then they can know the second coming is just around the corner. Look at what verse 15 says. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments, lest he walk about naked and men see his shame. Now again, this is right at, as the description has been given of this battle and why it's being waged and how the armies of the world are coming together. And then you have this parenthetical uh, remark that is a, really a word of, from Christ himself to the believers at that time as an, an encouragement for them. So now the train of thought is picked up again in verse 16, which names the place where the allies, or you could say the armies of the Antichrist, will be positioned. Armageddon. As the uh, some texts show, the term is a combination of two Hebrew words, which means the mountain of Megiddo. Megiddo was a strategic city located at the western end of the valley of Jezreel, uh, guarding the famous Megiddo Pass into Israel's largest valley. And I know I'm, I'm talking about things that many, that probably most that are going to hear this information given on this podcast will not know anything about where this is. But from someone to read for someone who has been there or lives there, like Amir, who has been there and lives not far from here and can see this, that's quite the, the vision that he has. So what is known as the Valley of Armageddon in Christian circles is actually the biblical Valley of Jezreel. The term that we look at here, Armageddon, it's, it's, we, we hear it all the time. It's never applied to the valley itself, but only to the mount at the western end. Here's the largest valley of, the lower, of lower Galilee. The armies of the world will gather for the purpose of destroying uh, whatever they're going to be looking at and coming to destroy. Some say they're coming to destroy all of the Jews living at that time. And that may be true. We just do not know. Because when you get into this section and you, you begin to look at it and all this related to the other prophecies related to Armageddon, it should be noted that the passage says nothing of a battle in this valley for no fighting will actually happen there. It only says they're gathered there. The valley of Jezreel guarded by the mountain of Megiddo will merely serve as a gathering uh, ground for the armies of the Antichrist. And that's important to note. So you say all this is given. All this information is right here. And we're given all these verses, even specifically here. Verses 12 through 16 is speak directly to the moment. And the moment doesn't happen. That's incredible to me to think about it in that perspective. So let's go back for just a second. Last week, if you have not heard last week, I encourage you to go back. And look at last week, because last week uh, was interesting. I, I entitled it, Armageddon, an execution. Because uh, we said in that message last week that they're not coming to fight. They're coming for the execution. They're all going to be executed. I wanted to name it, or almost named it, Armageddon, a bloodbath. But I was talked out of that by my wife, said that doesn't sound good. People won't like that title. And so I listened to her, and I didn't put it. Uh, so, in verse... 12, we looked at this fact that there are four things that I gave you on the outline last week, and I'm going to just rehearse some of them and maybe give you some more. Number one was a river. In this judgment, there is a river involved, and it's the river Euphrates. 
And it's not hard. There's, there's no disagreement with this because of what it says. The sixth angel poured out his bow upon the great river, the Euphrates. That says it right there in black ink. Uh, and so we, we know exactly the river it's referring to. And this has always been known as the uh, eastern edge of the original boundary that God gave to the nation of Israel. And we've seen that the great river Euphrates uh, runs about 1,800 miles long. I took my map this week and just followed the river all the way. It, it is a, it's an incredibly long river. And so you, you look at this, and it becomes a, the very interesting thing that this river is involved. Remember now, we already have seen this river in Revelation chapter 9 at the place where demons will be released Hordes of demons be released to the earth. <clears throat> and so this is going to, <clears throat> to be a very, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been battling a cold, so I hope I can get through this. But this has been uh, already a place that's played a major part in the tribulation period. And so once again, it's being surfaced as one is in, involved in this judgment. In this judgment, there is a river involved, and it is this great river Euphrates. Uh, it's where the ark ended up. That's where the uh, Mount Ararat is where the river actually starts. Some There's some uh, variance of opinion about where it actually starts. Some say just before that. Some say after. But uh, it's somewhere around 17,000 feet up. It's a snow-capped mountain all year long. And remember now, this is the sixth bowl judgment. The fifth bowl judgment is darkness, but the fourth bowl judgment is extreme heat. And last week we looked at the fact that this river is playing a major role because it is going to be swollen. The sun and the heat from that will melt the snow-capped mountains and the glaciers all over the world, and there will be massive flooding everywhere. So when you look at this, it is going to be a necessary thing for this to happen in order for the people to gather in verse 16. So this great river Euphrates is mentioned and is drawn into this judgment again. Uh, it is a, a very interesting thing. We looked at all that is related to this river last week. And so it's, uh, it's important to, to understand what that is all involving as far as the river. But I want you to notice that the river, it says, uh, the great river Euphrates, its water was dried up. And so there is a reason why it will be dried up. And so, there, number one, there is a river. Number two, there is a reason. The reason it is dried up is because it is a preparation. It is the nations are hindered because of the flooded. And so the Lord dries it up. <coughs> In fact, I would imagine it's going to appear that there is just been a miracle here because it's going to go from one moment that a flowing, flooded banks of the Euphrates River are, are dangerous. You probably couldn't even hardly get close to it with fear you're going to be swept away by it. It's going to be that in one moment, and then in the next moment, completely dry. And I think the only thing we can relate to there is the, the drying of the Red Sea so that the Jews could pass over in dry land. And that went from one moment wet to one moment dry. And so that is uh, the only way we could probably pretty much see that is to understand that. But we can't understand it now because this ha remember, this hasn't even happened yet, but it's going to happen. This 
tribulation, period, judgment is going to happen. The river will be flooded, the banks will be full, and it will be, as verse 12 says, have water was dried up that the way might be prepared for the kings from the east. Now, I had some concern last week, people saying the kings of the east, they knew has always been related to China. And was I saying it was not China? China's not going to be a part of it. Since China is so much in our news today, especially if you're uh, into weather balloons. But uh, this is a reference to the kings of the east or the rising of the sun is the actual the way it's interpreted. But when you look at Scripture and you understand from the rest of Scripture sometimes how to interpret something, the East always refers to Mesopotamia. That is Assyria and Babylon. Consistency in our interpretation must dictate to us that we use this as as a, a reference again. He would not say one thing in one part of Scripture and another contradict it. So it does refer to the kings of the rising of the sun to the east. Most likely, consistency would make us look at reference to the Mesopotamia and not to China, specifically. And when I say China, I mean specifically. Now, uh, the fact that the Antichrist's capital city of Babylon will sit on the banks of the Euphrates River further, I think, gives evidence to the fact that the kings who come from the east will be Mesopotamian kings. Now, I like the way John MacArthur puts it because this is very safe. It says, God dries up the Euphrates River so these kings from the great empires, India, China, Japan, or whatever great empires will be at that time can come to Palestine. That's a very good way to put it because we don't really know because the end when this time comes, there may be other nations that that we will see rising up and coming across or that the world will see at that particular time but for them for now the the picture is looking at the kings of the east obviously referring to the antichrist and the mesopotamian uh, armies that will be there so the consistency of interpretation dictates that we look at matching uh, this with that uh, seeing that in china will probably have an army there uh, but it's looking at the Assyria and Babylon. And so this is what, but we, we, we can't say dogmatically list every particular army because as we see the world right now, it is developing. There is now developing uh, uh, a league of nations uh, forming, in, in, believe it or not, in support of Russia. And so Russia is forming, a, a, it's an anti-Israel coalition that we can see forming. And it's going to be... Taking different shapes, probably all from now all the way till this particular judgment. So for now, we know that those nations who send armies will probably look at this as a miracle that has been performed by the false prophet and the antichrist. And the reason I say that is because that's what they are in the business of doing. When you go back to Revelation 13, you see that the false prophet. Is uh, exercises all authority as the Antichrist in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the Antichrist whose fatal wound was healed. And then verse 13 of chapter 13 of Revelation says this, He, the, the false prophet, will perform great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. Now, that might be what he does. 
he might say, we need to do, because we're going to look at another area of this in just a minute, but we need to accomplish what we want to accomplish. In order to do that, I am going to dry up the rivers so that we can have a clear passage all the way to Palestine. So that may be very well what happens because when we see this, we know that it is going to be dried up in an instant and God does it. Well, who is out there imitating that they're God? Satan, the dragon. Satan, in fact, it even says it here in the next verse, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet again, are mentioned. So they're very much involved, and God uses them to accomplish this judgment upon the earth. And so the first thing we see is the river. The second thing we see is the reason. It is to dry it up and, and, and release the hindrance from the nations and their armies so that they can cross over. And the last week we mentioned this, that why would they come? It, it, it dries it up, and the Antichrist says that now you have a clear passage uh, obviously speaking the words of Satan, but why do they come? There's a reason uh, why they would come, and, and we're actually amazed at the reason. But the reason is given to us as, as far as a revelation in verse 13. In verse 13, we saw this last week, and I'll draw just a couple more emphasis on this as we, we get into this. But 13 is the revelation, and the revelation is this. They're not coming to fight uh, because of greed, of lack of food, worldwide starvation, or the plague of rats, or, the, or the, uh, the, the need of water. All that may be uh, background information that they have. But they're coming for a specific reason. Look at verse 13. We, we, last week we looked at it, and obviously you, you just can't cover it all. It says, I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the, the beast, and the false prophet. That's the, uh, the Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Three unclean spirits like frogs. We said, we said what we did about frogs. And the spirits, for they are spirits of demons performing signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole earth. Now, th this is again mentioning the kings of the whole earth, and it's again mentioning these, uh, the, 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 the Antichrist and the false prophet are being empowered by Satan. Uh, that God is allowing. God is using them to accomplish his purpose. Now, again, we're going to see this, and we're going to see that the, the world and these armies are going to think that Satan has done a miracle here. Or no, they won't say Satan, but they'll say the Antichrist has done a miracle here, and he's dried up the river. It's time to go. They think that, 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 that this was a favor done for them. This was a miracle in their favor. But they better watch out because it's really a trap. It's a deadly trap. Just as the parting of the Red Sea was a deadly trap for the Egyptian army, they are led like sheep uh, to the slaughter. The world, get this, the world will be coming with their armies to be executed. Thus, last week's title, Armageddon and Execution. And th this is what I was referring to. They are coming to be executed. Now, is that what Satan's telling them? No, well, you need to go there, and, and you're going to be executed there. No, that's not what he's telling them. They wouldn't come for that. Because you've got to understand, this, this revelation here is given to us information to answer the question, why do they come? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a picture here given to us of these unclean spirits. And this picture here is of demonic nature, one that you hate to even try to envision. But 
it, it has to do with their speech. So everything they, they hear, everything they're told is designed by Satan himself to war against God. That's what he's doing. He's getting the armies of the world together to fight against God. Now, it's going to happen once again in Revelation chapter 20 when we see at the end of the millennial reign, uh, the, the very same thing happens again. Uh, in fact, you can find it in verses 7 through uh, 9 in Revelation chapter 20, and I'm not going to cover that because we will cover that in detail when we get to it. But the point here is these kings from all over the world that it says in verse 13 and 14, actually verse 14, kings of the, uh, the whole earth. And in fact, I was just reading again another commentary this week that says the kings of the whole earth and the kings of the east are different, uh, different groups. And anyway, it's, it's amazing what you can read, but this is referencing all of the kings. Uh, the kings of the east are, are said their pathway is now clear, so it's going to affect all of the armies of the world coming together. But the point is, why do they all come? Why would they come in scorching, blazing sun, uh, uh, the heat from that, because it has been lit up in, in, in the fourth, judge, fourth bowl judgment. Why do they come? Well, they're induced by, by demons. Induced by demons to come. That's what Satan's plan is. Now, Satan thinks... Uh, is passing this off as his plan, but they don't realize this is really God's plan. This is God's judgment. They're coming to be executed, and they're coming to be drawn into a battle. And what convinces the kings of the east to come? Well, God, uh, Satan uses performing signs, magic, trickery, deception, just like it says in Revelation 13. In Revelation 13, 13, the false prophet, he performs great signs so that it even makes fire come out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And then verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound and the sword has come to life. Now, look at what they do. They give in verse 15 of Revelation 13, and there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, that image that they make, that statue, whatever it is, robot or whatever they make, that the image of the beast might even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Whew, it's like you have to take a breath. But let me tell you this. When you're, when you're looking at this, you must realize these are lost people. You say, well, of course they're lost. Well, but so you may not think of it like that. These are not Christians. These are not people who have a, a regenerated mind. These are people that are lost. They've been influenced by seducing spirits and demons. They've been tricked into believing that Satan is acting as God. Because let, let me let me let me give you something else that's uh, that's actually pretty incredible when you when you look at this. And I know sometimes when I think of a verse, I wish I had just a flash thing in front of me uh, to, to bring up verses as I think of them. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I, I just want to give you that real quick. Because Satan is at, uh, it's going to seem as though Satan is in, in charge of the world here. In fact, he's pretty much been given full reign since he doesn't have access to heaven anymore. But look at what 2 Thessalonians 2 says. Uh, we're talking to the, like the Antichrist in verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above every, so, 
every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. Look at what it says. And this doesn't just have one day he does this. This is for the whole time he's doing this. Here's what it says. Displaying himself as being God himself. Now, if you really believe that, in fact, Revelation 13 says they do believe that because they worship him. Who all worships him in Revelation 13? It says all who dwell on the earth will worship him. And then it goes on to say except Christians, except true believers. They will not worship him. But everyone else worships him. They worship him as Satan. They worship him as God. Now, if they think that's God who's giving these orders, who's giving this information, they will follow it. So really, when you look at the battle of, that, that's being portrayed here as the gathering together of the armies of the world, they are being deceived into coming, and they don't really have a choice. They really do not have a choice because they are being convinced by these demons by performing signs. Now, let me tell you something. If the Bible says a deception will go out, like it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that a deception will go out and they will believe the lie, I believe they will be deceived. You can't ignore it. They will be deceived. And when they're deceived, they will believe to the fullest extent for the purpose for which the, the performing wonders and signs were given. It was given to persuade. They will be persuaded. They will believe. So this says he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs. That's what Revelation 13 says. Now, Mark chapter 13, verse 22, false Christs and false prophets will arise, speaking to the times during the tribulation. They'll show signs and wonders in order uh, to lead. In fact, it says even the, the elect would be led astray if it were allowed to continue. So we look at this and we think, wow, they are coming with no decision really to make. They are being led straight to their execution, believing one thing's going to happen when it's not going to happen, something else is going to happen. Which leads me to number four on the outline, which is the result. The result is, and we looked at this brief, briefly last week, the result is recognized <coughs> in verse 16, they gather them to the place called Armageddon. Now these are spirits, demons performing signs so that they go out. Now these demons are able to go out and convince the whole world now, in Revelation 13, it says, convince the whole world to worship the Antichrist. But here it says, convince the whole world to war against God. Now, if they could convince the world to worship him, they can convince the world to fight against God. What's he going to say? I don't know. I can't proceed to know. But you can. your imagination could tell you some things. They are coming to fight God. They're coming to do battle with God. That's why the battle happens. That's why there's no mention of fighting in this valley of Jezreel. That's why there is no mention of any fighting going on because they don't fight. How do you fight God? They can't fight him. We've seen all kinds of evidences in the Old Testament of, 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 of fighting. Uh, people trying to fight against the spirits. They can't do it. It's, it's impossible. Listen to what Joel 3 9 says. <clears throat> Excuse me. Joel 3 9 says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war. Arouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. 
Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, the mighty ones, and let the nations be aroused. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. And so there he's talking about that. Psalm 2 talks about that. Listen to what Psalm 2 says. Why are the nations... uh, why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take their counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They're coming to do battle with God. Can you imagine such deception from the very mouth of the Antichrist and the false prophet? And guess what? It works. It will work because they're coming with all... Remember, we said last week, all these judgments and the bold judgments... <coughs> are still in effect. The waters have been turned to blood. Everything in the seas are dead. They've had this tremendous sores, uh, malignant sores upon their skin that ache so bad they curse, cry out to God as far as blaspheming God. The darkness, the heat, and they're going to be coming with all of those physical ailments and the hindrance of the darkness and the heat and the flooded Of course, God's going to dry up that river. But they're coming because they so believe it. This march of the rulers of the world is described further in Revelation uh, chapter 17 and 18. And we're going to take a look at that because it is absolutely an amazing thing to see. But the war is going to be very fast. Jesus comes and it's over. I think that's why the parenthetical statement here by the Lord is, Behold, I am coming like a thief. In the night, blessed is the one who stays awake. This is an encouragement because when you see it start to gather, it's going to end quickly. It is not going to last. It is going to end very, very quickly. And so, this is what we're looking at here. This is the what is called is the campaign of Armageddon. And uh, what a brief interlude this will be as far as this parenthetical statement from verse 15 but then the armies uh, gather together in verse 16. And so we, we can see this as just before. Now remember, this is probably just days before the second coming. Just days before. And so we see that the, the world is, is still has all the results of this, but there's one more bold judgment that's got to happen. And I, I looked, I, I, believe me, I thought about this all week. And it was heavy on my mind, and it's earthquakes. We're going to talk about it earthquakes next week. Now, Turkey, as you know, this week had, I think they said a total of uh, one big earthquake, and then the the aftershocks, some of them were so big, they were like another earthquake, 7.8. And uh, these that are coming in judgment are going to be much, much bigger. And it's it's just just devastating to see what's going to be happening on the earth. But remember, remember now, the judgment... And the last one is that God is preparing the earth for the kingdom age. And so a lot has to change on this earth. So, uh, thank you for now. This is William Rogers. I'll be uh, leaving you for right now. But thank you for joining me as we have continued to look at the uh, the Battle of Armageddon. And we've seen that uh, this one is called Armageddon, War Against God. And what a result it will be. It will be a bloodbath. It will be an execution. Not one survivor 
of those armies, I think, will be. In fact, you'll, you'll, we'll see this again in Revelation 19. So, thank you for joining me, and uh, I look forward to you being back next week. Thank you.